0: Okay, so we'll begin tonight with a sitting of probably 60 seconds or less. It'll be the shortest sitting of the retreat. So, Michael and Maddie and I would like to very warmly welcome you. Um, Michael's to my right and (laughs) waving, and um, Maddie's to my far right. And we're all delighted to um, be spending the week with you in this way. It's great to see so many familiar faces, and those of you who aren't familiar will be utterly totally familiar by the end of the week. I want to just um, begin by saying that we are very present with you, and um, what that means is that if you come into a difficult spot or uh, you feel like you're really alone here, you're actually not as alone as you may think that you are. So please do feel free to contact us, to leave us a note or let us know what's going on. And we'll be seeing you in um, different formats throughout the week. So um, there will be, of course, a chance to talk about what's going on for you and your practice. Our lives are our practice. This is what we entitled this particular time of being together. Our lives really are our practice, and although there are different conditions that we encounter in this environment than we do when we're home, we can't help but bring our whole being with us wherever we are and wherever we go. Um, you know those times when one finds oneself on vacation and um you know it's 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 nice it's a it's a you know good situation in terms of conditions, but you find yourself to be miserable in some way I mean this has got to have happened to everybody at some point or another you know, you're just you're just really not enjoying yourself even though you're supposed to be on vacation, and the conditions are pretty good i mean generally, what happens when we find ourselves in that particular situation is, we start finding fault with perfect conditions or with really good conditions, you know, because our minds are um, really very deeply conditioned to try to find fault um, when inwardly inwardly we just can't find a sense of ease yet or a sense of well being, and the practice of meditation is designed. Um, to help us to find that sense of ease and well-being and wisdom and compassion and affection that is always there underneath the obstacles, underneath how we think things are, underneath the clouds and the veils over the natural luminescence of the heart. You know, So it's kind of like, Being in this environment, an environment where there's nothing to do other than sit and walk and eat and take a shower and um, go to the bathroom, and I'm pretty much through my whole entire list. There's really not much happening here other than um, what I just mentioned. In this environment, we kind of cut to the chase, you know? We allow ourselves to cut to the chase, and what I mean by that is we directly attend to our minds and our bodies. We directly attend to the situation of body and mind. What the Buddha called the four foundations of mindfulness. We begin to sensitize ourselves, or you know, many of you are are longtime practitioners. We continue to sensitize ourselves to the experience of this body, to the awareness of mind states and emotions. We become sensitized to the areas in which we are deeply restless and not at peace. And we begin to really trust the practice that if we can be aware In a sustained way, with affection, we will see our way through. We do not have to live our entire life in restlessness and sleepiness and ill will and wanting and not wanting and doubt and self-doubt. We attend directly to the heart. And so our life really is our practice, and this means bringing awareness to all arenas, all areas in our life. There is an invitation here to rest and to relax, to rest the body, to relax the mind, And in this field of relaxation, to wake up to how things really are. Not to how things appear to be, how things should be, how things have been, but how things actually are. And this is the invitation that is present for each one of us on this retreat. To really wake up to nature, finding ourselves not as much in a struggle with nature, but more in harmony, in alignment with nature. This resting expresses itself through an attitude of non-urgency and non-hurry. And you know, So I really encourage you right away to adopt this attitude, which is sometimes against every little bit of conditioning that we come here with around urgency and around tension, and around having to get something done. Now in here, we're actually um, relaxing into the here and now over and over again with an awake and aware mind. You know, so we are relaxing that sense of urgency, of having to become someone other than who we are, of having to get or of having to attain, or of having to let go of. Sometimes we can come into a a retreat with a whole lot of lists about what we want to get out of it and what we want to get rid of. And, um, I don't know, the point is really to let the torments of heart dissolve in a very natural way, trusting the process of meditation you can really allow the torments of heart to um, relax themselves through this practice of being awake and aware. I really encourage you throughout the week to surrender to the schedule. Try as hard as you can to not manage your retreat. And we have a retreat manager, and she's very good. She knows what she's doing. So we we don't have to take that on. We don't have to manage the retreat. We don't have to have ideas about how it should go and what's wrong and what's not happening and how I can't do it and how I should be able to do it and this and that. We really can, in this environment, stop managing, which is really quite a sane and compassionate and sensitive thing to do, sensible thing to do, because... On retreats, it's almost like we're immersed. You know, we're, we're, we're really kind of in the swim. We're immersed. And so we can't assess what is happening. We think we can. And oftentimes we're just checking, 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 checking. Is it working yet? Am I doing this well? Am I doing this correctly? You know, does the practice work? Was the Buddha right? You know, this kind of thing. And we, we keep checking. <laughs> I'm totally biased. Yes, the Buddha was right. But we we have to find this out for ourselves. It's, you know, something that one has to investigate and find out for oneself. But we can't kind of use the same ways of finding out that we're used to using. We can't keep stopping and checking and evaluating and assessing and analyzing. We have to let the practice do its work on us, which really means, as much as we can, the simplicity of awareness. You know, the simplicity of being aware whatever it is that is happening in a very loving and gentle way. When I was speaking about conditions a few minutes ago, you know, any set of conditions is um, has wonderful points and, and can be quite difficult at times. But we learn because our life is our practice our practice is our life, we begin to learn how to relate to conditions in a radically different way. We, for those of us who have been at this a long time, we develop and deepen in a different way of relating to conditions than the ways that we know don't work. So instead of relating to conditions by shunning or judging or condemning or clinging or... um, you know, having ideas about this or about that, we begin to learn how to relate to conditions with wisdom and with compassion. And when we relate to conditions with wisdom and compassion, wisdom and compassion grow. You know, we are actually cultivating wisdom and compassion by relating to conditions, meaning outer conditions as well as the condition of this body and the condition of this mind. Um, when we remember to relate to conditions differently than the ways that we usually do through our habits and our patterns and our conditioning, when we relate to conditions with wisdom and wakefulness and sensitivity and compassion and friendliness and affection, you know, and sometimes it seems like a foreign language when we're really caught in our conditioning and our habits and our patterns, but when we, re- when we relate in a different way, This is what is being understood more deeply in our hearts. In other words, this is really a path of inner freedom. We learn to relax our agendas and our expectations. And we see if we can be in this environment in a fresh and open-hearted way. Oftentimes, if one has sat many retreats before, we have a certain sense of a meditative history. You know, and it's, it's very burdensome, this meditative history. Certainly, some of it can help, because there's some wisdom in memory, of course. And so certain things that we've learned, certain things that we have understood, we can apply. And this is really wonderful. But we can also use our meditative history as a way to hurt ourselves or assess ourselves or be quite cold towards ourselves. You know, I should be different because I've been practicing for as long as I have. And there's no understanding and compassion when we fall into this way of thinking. So we really want to be fresh and open and loving, you know, open-hearted and loving, instead of carrying the big burden of having a meditative history around with us. Those of you who are new and are here for the first time may think that you don't have a meditative history. But actually, even just the 60 seconds that we sat, even if you've never sat at all before in your life, and I know many of you who are new have sat before in your life, but even if you, if you haven't and you just sat for the 60 seconds, you picked up a meditative history. You know, it, it happens so quickly. It doesn't have to be 5 years or 10 years or 20 years. It happens right away, um, having a sense of how things should be how things should go how the practice should evolve you know how i should be and this is what we actually encourage ourselves to uh, let go of we are learning how to replace how things should be with how things are we're learning how to replace an attitude of control the effort to control with the effort to connect, the effort to be aware and awake. Our lives are our practice. And what this means is that we try to practice through thick and thin. We try not to abandon ourselves, whatever way we are in any given moment. Whatever the emotions and the mental states and the heartache and the heart happiness is, We try not to abandon ourselves ever. We see if we can see that the ups and downs in any given day and certainly in any retreat are all practice situations. They are all real invitations into understanding and learning with a depth that we have not reached yet. So if we can take Practice on in this spirit. It's not that there aren't ups and downs, but there's an ease and a smoothness and a steadiness of heart within the ups and downs. So we don't have to be as intimidated, or we don't have to get um, overly excited. You know, we can really allow for the inner warmth to permeate everything. The effort is to be present and wholehearted. The effort here is to be in life, now, in life as is expressing itself in this very moment. So not so much in our thoughts and our descriptions of how life is, but instead a certain felt sense, an intimacy, which means a non-verbal, non-judgmental observation. The idea of a retreat can be exciting at times, and certainly everyone has done a lot to be able to get here. You know, Everyone has, has traveled in some way or has had people at home take care of things or um, has tried to take care of things before you got here so that you could let go once you got here. You know, so there can be a certain excitement about it. And on the other hand, retreats, the idea of a retreat can be daunting in some way. We can be a little bit apprehensive or anxious. And it's so important to remember that retreats, as is the same in life, it happens one moment at a time. Now, life, retreat, practice, it's all the same. It happens one moment at a time. So the question right now as you're sitting here, you know, first night of a retreat, is what is actually happening? Whether good or bad, easy or hard? And one wonderful Zen master, Satsunim, said, don't make good or bad. Don't make easy or hard. No? Just be in life as it is. So whatever it is that's happening right now, physically, mentally, emotionally, can we make room for it to happen? Can we encourage within ourselves a sustained and steady willingness to be aware in this moment only, not tomorrow, not some days from now, you know? not regretting moments of non-awareness in the past. But right here and now, we are meditating. This is our life, if we are around for it, if we are aware. I'd like to just um, read a poem that's a bit evocative by Genzai. It's called Poem Without a Category. Trailing my stick, I go down to the garden edge, call to a monk to go out the pine gate. A cup of tea with my mother, looking at each other, enjoying our tea together. In the deep lanes, few people in sight. The dog barks when anyone comes or goes. Fall floods have washed away the planks of the bridge. Shouldering our sandals, we wade the narrow stream. By the roadside, a small pavilion where there used to be a little hill. It helps our hermit mood. Country poems pile one sheet on another. I dabble in the flow, delighted by the shallowness of the stream. Gaze at the flagging, admiring how firm the stones are. The point in life is to know what's enough. Why envy those otherworld immortals? With the happiness held in one inch square heart, you can fill the whole space between heaven and earth. May we have clarity of mind. May we have warmth of heart. And may we share this clarity of mind and warmth of heart with one another. So I'll pass you to Michael.
1: So I too would like to welcome everyone. Um, for the next eight days, uh, you know, we form kind of a very unusual community together—a a community that is dedicated to uh, encouraging and supporting this path of awareness. Uh, very, kind of very unusual conditions. Really, the entire environment, whether it's um, the silence in the retreat the setting um, all the energy that staff you know put it put in behind the scenes and uh, i've been on staff before and i know it's a lot of hard working people on the other side um, and um, all these conditions are meant to support this continuity of awareness to to support this space that we're all going to share together for the next 8 days and uh, help create this a very simple environment, environment that, even within its simplicity, there can be, of course, many challenges, as Narayan mentioned, uh, that certainly retreats, um, as supportive as they are, um, also encourage a certain level of renunciation within us, adjusting to the schedule, adjusting to living with 100 people, many of them we don't know, and everybody has their habits. Um, we need to make work in making room for those habits, making room for each other. And there are some ways that we can live together that really facilitate this, this supporting each other in our own practice. Yeah. One, supporting our own practice, while at the same time receiving and giving support to each other. And certainly one of the most helpful guidelines, and I think what makes IMS and Vipassana retreats somewhat unique On this planet, in this country, which is uh, this practice of noble silence. Very, very unusual to be able to have this space where we actually don't have to talk. Um, We don't have to listen to ourselves talking, actually. We'll listen to ourselves thinking, uh, but we don't have to listen to ourselves talking. We don't have to use a lot of energy that way. Uh, That creates a lot of space which brings sometimes up some difficulties, but also is very, very supportive for developing this continuity of mindfulness. And so we want to protect the space of silence. And um, I don't want to contradict the um, manager, Mona, uh, but what we definitely want to strongly encourage is to uh, bury those cell phones for eight days, to put them away, hide them, stash them, um if there was an emergency and you needed, you know, life-threatening emergency and you need to use your cell phone, um maybe the best place would not be outdoors because there'll be people walking outside, but maybe go into the phone booth that's downstairs where there's a payphone. And if you're attached to your cell phone and you need to make a call, that probably would be the most private place, a place where you would be protecting everyone's silence. But again, you know, another way of um, letting the cell phones go is not to even check your messages. You know, sometimes people check their messages in their rooms, uh, and people can hear. You know, the walls aren't that thick. Um, so if you can afford that luxury, and it really is a luxury in some ways, especially now where everybody has cell phones, including myself. Uh, there's no ideology against cell phones uh, up here. All three of us have cell phones, actually. Um, but retreats are a place where we can really let that go. Let that distraction go. So I want to encourage you to do that. Another area where we can renounce or let go is just um, through reading and writing, letting go of that process of reading and writing. Something sometimes we get very attached to reading. I know I like to read my newspaper in the morning. I like to read my dharma too, um, but retreats are really a time when we can just let all that go and dive in, kind of go in and see, um, see what the practice is like directly for ourselves. Many of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for inspiring books and inspiring teachings. Um, but at the same time, there comes a point in one's practice where we need to let that go and discover and investigate for ourselves you know, what the nature of this body-mind process is, what the nature of suffering is, and, and what what the nature of liberation, and, the, and what leads to liberation. And very much what we're doing here is discovering that for ourselves, seeing it very directly, not secondhand. It's one of the beauties of practice. It's one of the uh, wonderful attitudes in the spirit that's at the foundation of this particular practice Is this encouragement to take a look for yourself? It's not about believing somebody or something. Taking a look for yourself, and the eight days are really dedicated to that. We're taking a look at our experience, hanging out with ourselves, getting to know this mind and how it works, and seeing if we can uh, relate to it with more awareness and more compassion. Another very helpful uh, guideline for the community to live in a harmonious and skillful and compassionate way is, of course, to, to follow the precepts. You know, there's basically five precepts, kind of ethical guidelines. You know, and the guidelines that we're uh, living while well, we're living here for the next eight days, they're based on the principle of non-harm, not harming ourselves or others. Also, they're based on the precepts are based on mutual respect, you know, respecting life, respecting each other, supporting each other. And the five precepts are not just helpful tools on a retreat, but also extremely helpful and supportive uh, in our everyday life. It's in many ways, it's putting the practice into action. You know, when we talk about our life as our practice, precepts are an extremely useful guideline for putting the practice into practice. Let me go through the five precepts. Okay, so the first precept is to refrain from killing living creatures and to practice compassionate action. Second precept is to refrain from taking that which is not given and to practice generosity. Third precept is to undertake, the precept to refrain from using sexual energies unwisely and uncaringly, and to practice responsibility in all my relationships. Fourth precept is the precept to refrain from harmful speech, and to practice kind speech. And actually, that's the easy one on retreat, uh, because we're pretty quiet uh, most of the time. Everyday life, it's really a, a wonderful practice to take, up, to take up speech and to use it in a way, trying to be more mindful and to investigate. So often our speech is a reflection of what's going on in our hearts and minds, so much to learn as we apply mindfulness to that area. But on retreat, uh, we give ourselves a little bit of a break around that. Um, of course, there are times when we're going to be talking with, with you folks in, in interviews and groups. But definitely, it's uh, noble silence is the way to go for that fourth precept. And then the fifth precept is to undertake the precept to refrain from any misuse of alcohol and drugs, and to practice caring for one's body and one's mind. And sometimes people, um, perhaps the manager Mona mentioned this. You know, they sort of want to stop taking medications, or they have questions about that arena. And retreats are not really enough really not the space or the time to explore that one. So when we talk about refraining from taking drugs, we're really talking about misuse. Um, That's that's important to recognize that. Uh, We're not encouraging you to stop any kind of medication that you're taking. Certainly not. It really is a pleasure to be here tonight. And there's, so, there's a lot of familiar faces out there, and it's always wonderful for us to see new faces. You know, it's such an amazing practice. Um, for Some of us who have been walking it for some time, uh, we know what the potential is in the practice. It offers so much. It can be extremely challenging at times, but it's also profoundly rewarding. For some of you who are here for the first time, the first retreat is the most memorable. I can still remember my first retreat and that was 33 short and long years ago. Uh, And I remember a lot about it. I mean, Things are very vivid uh, when you're left to yourself and you're taking a look at yourself in this kind of way. We're it's really possible to begin to take a look at the mind so much more carefully, with so much more awareness and compassion, especially, you know, when you get the kind of support that we give each other on this retreat. And as Narayan mentioned, you know, it, in many ways we're all on our own journey here. and It's a path that we all walk on uh, by ourselves in certain ways. But at the same time, you know, the support of each other in our practice is, is invaluable invaluable. And so that's how I see these eight days, and that's how I see life in general, is that time is precious. Things go by in a blink. Um, So it is important to take one moment at a time And to cultivate that attitude that is very accepting and allowing of whatever is arising. Okay. So, we're going to keep this evening relatively short. Many of us have traveled a ways. Uh, we're going to we'd like to sit for a little bit, have a short sitting. Uh, but why don't you just take a minute and do some standing? Stretch your bodies a little bit, move out of that posture, and then we'll have a brief sitting. This will be the second shortest sitting of the retreat. They actually do get a little longer as time goes on, but this one's going to be about 12 minutes. So, please find a reasonably comfortable position, one that allows you to sit relatively straight, one that's not extremely uncomfortable, support the sense of relaxation, both in the body and the mind, not only in this sitting but throughout the retreat. You want to choose a posture that allows you to sit relatively still. So it's kinda, you want that sense of stability. One that allows you to relax and settle. Beginning by just simply feeling the cushion or the chair that you're sitting on. See if you can feel that contact, the body touching. Feeling the contact with the floor, or the mat, legs, ankles, feet. Very gently letting the attention rest in the sitting posture being aware of the sensations that are rising as the body sits on a cushion or chair. Get a sense of stepping into the present through this attention to the body sitting. Shoulders and the arms are relaxed. The eyes are soft. Whenever you're ready, allowing the attention to come to rest on the breathing process. Simply feeling the breathing as it occurs in the here and now. Making a very gentle effort to keep the attention there. Notice when it goes away and then very gently return to the breathing. Come back into the body. Reconnect to the breath. <clears> the first So, tomorrow is Sunday, and Sunday's schedule is posted on the board. should be up there by now. Um, get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow. Uh, people look a little bit tired there's a few actually quite a few nodding heads out there, um, so we're going to get some extra sleep tonight. Um, six o'clock wake up, and we have breakfast at six thirty uh, so you know the the retreat's begun, and this is really a time to. Begin to settle in, take your time, slow down a little bit, at least inwardly slow down, and start just being attentive and mindful as you make your way back to your rooms or as you begin to settle into your routines and put yourself to bed um, to see if you can do it in a mindful way. Remember that this is the time to really value uh, being present and taking the opportunity because now you have the time in the space and the conditions to really support that. So in a very gentle, light way, hold your practice, but just keep practicing being present from here on in. Get a good night's rest, and we'll see you in the morning. Thanks.